0: Welcome to On Your Left, I'm your host, Jackson Smith, and in this podcast, both myself and my guests on the show will be doing a deep dive into the latest and hopefully greatest Marvel films and shows and breaking them down for you, as well as showing how these stories will connect for future events to take place in the MCU. Now, a little more about myself. I'm no movie critic. I'm just a 17-year-old kid who spends too much time looking at leaks and theories on Instagram and Reddit. Today we'll be going over the latest release in the Sony multiverse, Venom: Let There Be Carnage, which was released this past October. Now, a brief description of the movie, the directors, and actors. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, is a 2021 superhero film starring Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson. The movie was directed by Andy Serkis and produced by Columbia Pictures in association with Marvel, as Sony still has some of the rights to certain characters over Marvel, but that's slowly changing. The screenplay was written by Kelly Marcel, and the story was created by Marcel along with help from Hardy. This is the second film in Sony's Spider-Man multiverse, and the sequel to Venom, 2018. Venom was supposed to be the start of a new shared universe, and the plans for the sequel began to develop while the first movie was still being filmed. Prior to directing Let There Be Carnage, Circus only directed two prior films, Breathe in 2017 and Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle in 2018. Up to this point, Circus has primarily been an actor, and he has played the role of useless claw in the films Avengers Age of Ultron and from 2015 and Black Panther in 2018. Circus was mainly hired to direct the film because of his skills surrounding CGI and motion capture tech, which was crucial to bring both Venom and Carnage to the screen. As with many other films, Let There Be Carnage was delayed from an initial October 2020 release due to the COVID pandemic. Up to this point, the film has grossed $442 million worldwide in only the first two months and the reviews from the critics are for the most part mixed, but many viewers, minus critics, believe that the sequel outdoes its predecessor. If you didn't see the previous film, here's a little recap. Journalist Eddie Brock is trying to take down Carlton Drake, the notorious and brilliant founder of the Life Foundation. While investigating one of Drake's experiments, Eddie's body merges with, an, with the alien Venom, leaving him with the superhero strength and power. Twisted, dark, and fueled by rage, Venom tries to control the new and dangerous abilities that Eddie finds so intoxicating. <laughs> So what were my expectations and predictions going into this movie? Immediately after watching the first film, I was excited for what was to possibly come next for this anti-hero, since I knew the second film was already planned for production. I did expect it to be a little repetitive, even though I was still excited for it. One of the things I was most excited for was to see how Andy Serkis brought such an iconic character like Carnage to life. Following the events of the first movie, which was released in 2018, Eddie Brock is continuing the struggle, coexisting with his extraterrestrial counterpart. In the post credit scene from the first movie, we get introduced to who would be the sequel's villain, Cletus Cassidy. Brock is asked to go to San Quentin Penitentiary in California to interview the infamous serial killer, as the FBI hopes that Cassidy would reveal where more of his victims are buried. The sequel opens in 1996 as we see an enraged Cletus helpless watching helplessly as his lover Shriek, who can manipulate sound, is being taken away from the St. Estes' home for unwanted children to the Ravencroft Institute. On the way, she attacks Officer Patrick Mulligan and he shoots her in the eye, but she causes him to lose his hearing in one ear. Mulligan believes he killed her, but he was wrong as she was taken to the institute, and her powers were tested. In present day, we see Mulligan, who is now a detective, contacting Eddie to do the interview that was spoken about earlier. After the visit, Venom is able to figure out where Cassidy has hidden the other bodies, which in turn boosts Brock's credibility and career status. Eddie then calls, gets a call from his ex-fiancee, Annie Wang saying that she is now engaged to a Dr. Dan Lewis, someone Venom is not pleased with. Cassidy proceeds to invite Brock to attend his execution after he was convicted for his crimes and sentenced to death. Venom was eager to attack Cassidy after he insulted Eddie, and when he provoked him, Cassidy bites his hand, and in doing so, he ingested a small amount of the symbiote. Back home, Brock and Venom are having a dispute over Venom's freedom to eat more of the criminals in the city, and the fight escalates. From there, the symbiote and Brock separate and go their separate ways. When Cassidy is about to be executed by lethal injection, a red symbiote blocks the injection, and Carnage is born. He goes on a violent rampage throughout the prison, taking out guards along the way, as well as releasing prisoners. The two who are now one make a deal. Carnage gets shrieked out of Ravencroft, and Cassidy will help kill Venom and Eddie. Mulligan goes to Brock's house and explains the situation back at the prison. Cassidy breaks Shriek out of Ravencroft and then goes back to St. Estes, much more run down now, and burn it down. Mulligan is suspicious of Brock because of his interview with Cassidy before the two merged. Mulligan takes Brock into the station for questioning. He refuses to answer any questions and contacts his ex to be his lawyer. Brock admits that he needs to defeat Venom. He needs Venom to defeat Carnage. Wang tracks down Venom as he hops from body to body traveling across San Francisco try, to try and convince him to go back to Eddie. She and Venom bond together to break Eddie free from the station and the two make amends and become one again. We approach the final scene as Cassidy takes Melgian hostage, and Shriek captures Wang after not being able to find Eddie. Cassidy and Shriek plan to get married at a cathedral, but before that could happen, Venom appears. The two go into an all-out brawl as we see the two go head-to-head, not holding anything back, as they know only one will win in the end. Shriek appears to kill Mulligan by hanging him onto a chain, but we find out later that he's actually not dead. Carnage eventually overpowers Venom brutally and he decides to attempt to kill Wang on the top of the structure. Kind of symbolic, huh? But do you think that a superhero movie like this would actually allow the girl to die? I don't think so. Venom rescues her in time, and Shriek lets out a screech, causing the entire structure to collapse, and herself being killed in the destruction. Due to her sonic blast, the symbiotes separate from their hosts, and right before Brock hits the ground, Venom reattaches himself to Eddie, saving him. Carnage attempts to reattach to Cassidy, but Venom eats the symbiote before he can. Cassidy tries to persuade Venom and Brock not to kill him, as he says that, only, that he only wanted to be Brock's friend all along. He knew that was BS, as Venom bites his head off. While they escape, we see a shot of Mulligan, as it seems he is still living, as his eyes flash blue. The pair, who are now on the run, decide to take a vacation to figure out what to do next as they settle down in a hotel room. So how does this film connect to the bigger picture? The only way that this film will connect to the future MCU events is due to the post credit scene in which we find out that Venom is officially part of the MCU. The scene begins with Eddie and Venom watching a soap opera on TV as the two go back and forth over keeping secrets with one another, and specifically what Venom has seen throughout his time traveling through space. Just before Venom is about to show Eddie just a glimpse of his knowledge, everything starts to change around them. The room shakes and vibrates, and all of a sudden, a light fades. Eddie is then seen in a much fancier hotel that he was previously in, that being said, in a new location entirely. On the screen where the soap opera was, there's a news report playing. And the anchor reporting this news is none other than J.K. Simmons reprising his role as J. Jonah Jameson. If you're familiar with the previous Spider-Man films, then you already know that J.J.J. is the loudmouth news reporter who thinks Spider-Man is a menace to society. The report playing on TV is the same one that we saw during the post credit scene from Spider-Man Far From Home in 2019, in which JJJ reveals Spider-Man's identity to be Peter Parker, and how he was responsible for Mysterio's death. As the screen cuts to an image of Parker, Venom proceeds to lick the screen, which is both creepy yet foreshadowing for what is to possibly come. The scene ends with the man who was saying, in that room, walking out, confused about what the hell was going on i would too if i saw a random guy and a creature on my bed what are the odds that that guy made it out alive probably pretty low the theory to how they got transported to this location is due to the events in the upcoming spider-man movie and in the trailer to such we see doctor strange casting a spell which is believed to then open these new doorways causing the expansion to the multiverse Carnage was promised, and Carnage was delivered. This movie brought the goriness of Carnage to life and allowed for the expansion of these film universes. Overall, I thought that Let There Be Carnage was a solid movie, as I would give it a 7 out of 10. I would have rated the sequel higher if it had not been a little too repetitive of the first film. Circus showed what he had brought on to do with the storyline, and he accomplished just that. In my opinion besides hardy and harrelson's performance i thought that the best part of the movie was that cgi used to create both venom and carnage now that hardy is officially in the mcu i can't wait to see what comes next for venom will he stick to his villainous comic roots or will he continue being this anti-hero that we have grown to love for this week's episode of on your left i'm jackson smith baskin robbins always finds out you know, you know, man? you know,